Well, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 for uh, Disciple 101. We're going to land together uh, this, this plane. Uh, I'm going to turn there as I continue chatting. Ephesians chapter 4. And here's, here's the, 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 the beginning of the series. What, what we started with is this idea that, that the scripture calls us disciples. And what is a disciple? It sounds like a churchy word. I mean, we see it on church signs sometimes when we talk about it. But disciple just means the word student. It's the idea that, that we are students. We are called to be followers of the teacher, Jesus being the teacher. And when Jesus walked this earth, school was different. It wasn't like you go to the, the algebra professor, or you go to the biology professor. Uh, you, would, you would just find a teacher that you trusted that seemed to know a lot about life, and you would, you would hit your trailer to what he was doing and, and just follow him around for a while. Kind of creepy, right? Teachers, it, wouldn't that freak you out? Like you go to the grocery store and all 20 of your third graders are chasing you through the aisles, seeing what kind of milk you buy. Uh, but that's, that's more or less what it was like. You would, you would have this, this man, this rabbi, who would be the teacher, and he says, hey, come follow me, and I'll teach you, I'll teach you some things about life. I'll teach you about what God is really like. I'll teach you philosophy. I'll teach, I'll teach you these things. And so when Jesus shows up on the scene as a rabbi, as a teacher, and he says, come follow me, he's inviting his disciples to come and not just learn his ways, uh, but to learn how he did life, to, to really begin to emulate him. And we're invited as well as disciples to, as we draw closer to Jesus, as we draw closer to those that are also followers of Jesus, we uh, start to look more like him. It should be true to say that if you're a follower of Jesus 10 years in, that you look more like Jesus 10 years in than you did on that first day when you like woke up with a hangover and confessed your sins and, and repented. Like There should be uh, moments and in, in, in transition as we grow to be more like Jesus because being a disciple is to join with the teacher, get as close as you can to the things that he's teaching, uh, and try to try to mimic him, try to mirror him to the community. That's that's what his uh, early disciples were called to do, and we as ongoing disciples are also called to do. And so, if uh, if you've missed class for the last few weeks, I know I missed last week, and we had a sub. Apologies, but if you've missed, and you're like, well, what have we talked about? We've done each week three kind of pieces of the syllabus, right? So uh, I want to I go back over those and just briefly highlight. Th these are the things that a disciple is or maybe marks a disciple. These are the things that should be true of us. And, and full confession, when I go through this list that I worked out uh, with Scripture, I see areas that I'm still needing to grow in. This isn't a list of, oh, you will one day arrive. This is a list of things that we continue to emulate. Also, one more thing. I only have nine things. It could have been a 30 point, you know, like there could be 30 different things that we could say about a disciple and would be true. But I just want to highlight these nine things. The first is this, is that disciples are called to love one another just like Jesus did. Uh, he, he says in, in the upper room, he says, I, I command you to love one another as I have loved you. And so as a disciple of Jesus, as we grow in our understanding of his love for us, it should increase in us our love for everybody else around us. In whatever ways we see Jesus loving us, in whatever ways we see Jesus forgiving us, in whatever ways we see Jesus being super patient with our annoying questions and our waywardness, uh, we should re be reflecting that back to others. And as people are kind of jerks to us, uh, just like they were jerks to Jesus, we love them the same way that Jesus loved us. And it's, it's not a suggestion. Uh, that, that one's actually a command. 
from Jesus. The second thing that disciples do is that disciples give uh, and join God in his mission. They give themselves to God's mission, specifically through their time, their energy, their resources. One of the interesting things about being a Christian is that when you're close to Jesus, you see Jesus doing things. You see him working in the community. Imagine, uh, you're one of the first disciples of Jesus, and Jesus says, you know what? Uh, We've got to feed all these guys lunch. Okay, what do you have? I've got a couple of bread, a couple of fish, don't have a lot going on. And he just feeds 5,000 people. And you're one of the disciples and you're a front row seat. You're the one carrying the basket. You brought the bread and the fish to him. You could fit them all in your two palms. And now you've got baskets that you and 10 of your friends are having to carry because it's so heavy. That would be really cool to see because of your proximity to Jesus, what he was doing. And the same is true now. The, as, as followers of Jesus, like we get to come in here and we get to hear from each other what, what the Lord is doing. Uh, as you go into community groups, you're going to hear stories about what the last few years have been like uh, for folks who have missed out on community groups in that time. But you're going to hear what the Lord is doing in that. And you get to join in his work and be a part of it and celebrate the thing that he invites us to participate in. The third thing that disciples do is that disciples rest well. I, I love this. I'm terrible at it, but I love it. I love a good nap. You ever taken a nap and you woke up like after 30 minutes more rested than that eight hours you, you were tossing and turning, your kid was kicking you in the head because he climbed into your bed in the middle of the night? That 30-minute nap, sometimes the rest is just so rejuvenating. And Jesus invites us. He says, if you're going to be my follower, I invite you to rest and rest well. Uh, He says, come to me who are heavy laden and and with a heavy heart, and I will give you rest for your souls. And I hear that. And every time I say it, I'm just, oh, yes, rest for my soul. So disciples, man, we're called to to rest well. The the fourth thing disciples do is that disciples worship God as he really is, how he's really revealed himself to be. Not Uh, We don't get to choose his character traits. We don't get to like mold a God in our image. We're made in his image, not him in our image. And so the more we learn about who God really is, what he's really like, what he really stands for, how he really treats people, then we point our attention back to that. We point our attention back to God and say yes and amen. I want, I, want, I want to trust that level of grace. I want to trust that level of mercy. I, I, you, you deeply know the needs of my family more than I do. I'm going to, I'm going to trust you for that. And so we worship God as he, as he really is and how he's revealed himself to be. Uh, disciples, they practice surrender to God. And we said this that week that, can, can we just be honest? We just, we're, we're not great at that. We're not great at, at surrendering, but we sang about it this morning. To just, to just sit back and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust your ways more than my ways. The, the, what you're saying doesn't make sense to me. What I'm saying and what my grandma told me makes a lot more sense to me, but I feel like it's opposite of what you're saying. So I'm going to trust your ways, God, and I'm just going to surrender. I'm going to surrender my, my marriage to you. I'm going to surrender my dating relationships to you. I'm going to surrender uh, how I handle uh, my children, how I parent. I'm going to surrender my finance. I'm going to surrender my job choices. I'm going to surrender my life to you, God. Will you take it? And each step of surrender, as we learn to surrender daily, is us picking up our cross and following after Jesus, because he was willing to pick up his cross and go all the way to death. And so we are called to surrender as well. And the, the, the sixth thing, the last thing we'll do in recap, and this is, this is good. We're, we're, we get to draw close and see what God is doing and be a part of his mission, but then we get to bear witness. Disciples get to bear witness to the glory and work of God. I, I, someone was asking me uh, just before we got started, right before worship started, like, hey, how's, how's it like being a pastor? And I say, you know, I get, to, I get to talk with you in, on a different level. Like a lot of you will call me and we'll have conversations. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how heavy it is or how light it is. It's fascinating to me 
Whenever I, I finish that conversation, I hear what the Lord is doing in your life and how he's working in your family. And maybe there's a struggle or maybe there's a celebration, but there's these moments. And I just, I, I get to bear witness to the glory and work of God in your lives. And being a disciple, that's not a pastor's job. It's just a disciple's job. Like we get to see what God is doing in the lives of other people. And then to celebrate that and tell about the glory of God, tell about what he's accomplishing in these families that have been praying in these, in these marriages that are really working to come back together and trust the Lord's way. And when, when something big happens, how we celebrate that and we get to bear witness to it. Man, it's, this is good. This is really good. Well, we, we're going to do three more things uh, today. And the first of those is going to be in Ephesians chapter four. Uh, this will be the end of our series. And the first is this is that disciples, be very careful with this verb, disciples belong to a community. And the reason why I say be careful with it is because I I don't want to make the mistake of like disciples attend a community or disciples know where the community is or disciples can like, I'm I'm on the roster of a community. No, no, disciples belong to a community. It's good to belong. It's, it's one of, it is one of the, the basic needs of humanity to find a place to belong and to be a part of and to know that you're welcome. That's why, that's why folks who, who have grown up where the family is just sort of disbanded kind of have that moment of chaos because belonging is lost. And yet what, what we're going to see in a moment is that when, when we're called to be disciples, when we're called to be followers of Jesus, we're not just called to chase him as an individual, we're called to chase him as a community and then to belong to that community, to contribute to that community, to, 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 to hope and to wish and to pray for that community, to, to trust that community with the, the hardest, ugliest parts of my life because this is my community. Because disciples, they, they belong to a community. Look, look with me if you want to follow in your own Bible. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, I'll start reading in verse 1. Paul is the author of this, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but Paul, he has a problem passing background checks these days. Uh, he's in and out of jail a lot, and so he happens to be in prison as he's writing this, um, and he's, he's, telling, he's telling the church in Ephesus, Ephesians, that's where we get the name from, he's telling the church in Ephesus, uh, hey, guys, pay attention to your community, it says the guy who's locked in a prison cell who's missing out on a community, right? He says this, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called. Let me just say, like, as you're doing life, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that's been placed on your life. That's a good message for us today, I think. to, To do life and to treat others in a manner to treat your family, to treat your spouse, to treat your boss or your your coworkers or your employees, to to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that is on your life, to which you have been called, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. One, One of the things about the community of God, disciples, is that we should be fighting for unity, not fighting to figure out who has a different viewpoint on each other. I heard a, a guy who was giving a speech. Uh, I won't give you the whole speech. He opened with a joke, and he's like, hey, uh, he, he walks up to this guy on a bridge about to jump or whatever, and he says, uh, he says hey, uh, I'm a Christian. He's like, I'm a Christian too. Okay, and then he goes like, through this whole list, and he's like, well, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist too. I'm the, and then at the end of it, he disagreed on one point. He's like, I'm done. He turns and walks away. It's a ridiculous joke about how the church, we're, if, if you've been around a while anyway, we tend to try to find something that someone disagrees with, and then we break fellowship on the smallest of things. 
There are things worthy of breaking fellowship on. Like if you come to me and be like, hey, I'm a Christian, I just don't believe Jesus was alive. I don't think that you are a Christian. That's, that's actually not congruent at all. Uh, but if you come to me and say, hey, I'm a Christian, I just believe this other thing about baptism or I just believe this other thing about Lord's Supper. You, yeah, okay. We can disagree about these, these, these bits, but we should be fighting for unity. He says, he says, with all humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Put, let me rephrase that. Putting up with one another in love, tolerating one another in love. Oh man, there goes Susan. She's mouthing off again. There goes Billy. His, his anger's getting the best of him again, right? But you know, I'm going to bear with him in love. I'm, 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 I'm going to be there for you. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace that we fight to stay together and to stay whole. Verse four, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God uh, and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. I, I don't know if you saw all the ones, but he's like, okay, there, I don't, there's only one God, right? There are 600 churches within a mile of this place. I don't know if that's an actual number. There's a lot of churches right here, and there's one God. We should be fighting for the unity that is found in knowing that there's only one God and there's one Jesus. There's only one baptism. There's only one Holy Spirit. We should fight for unity. But grace was given to each one according, he says, to the measure of Christ's gift. And so he gives to the church this gift. Let's, let's skip ahead down to verse 11, and let's see what these gifts are. He says, and he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, these different offices he gives. For what purpose? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Here's, here's the, the, the reason that God has given the, the different offices, the teachers, the pastors, the elders, is to equip everyone. To equip everyone, you, all of us in this room, all people who call themselves disciples, were called to be a part of the work of ministry of Christ. Read verse 12 again. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for what? For building up the body of Christ. You know, as disciples, as we belong to this community that we call Carpenter's Way, we are called to building up this community, the, the, the believers that are around us, to support them. When, when you know of a struggle that someone is having, uh, we may even have in us like a desire or a temptation to, to gossip or to talk about or to even, you know what, I don't want my kids hanging out with this one over here. And it, all of those temptations may be there, but our, our primary goal as disciples should be to fight for that unity and to lift each other up and to build each other up, to, to, to belong again, that verb, to belong to the community. Now, if I can just make a plug real quick uh, about community groups in general. Um, uh, most of you are in a space in life where it's, it's not like the best moment it's ever been, but it's certainly not the worst moment. You're not in like a chaos mode. Some of you are in chaos mode. Uh, but, but most of us are like in this middle of the road uh, between the high and the low, and things are pretty okay, right? Is that fair? Some of you are like, no, Jesse, like I, am, I won the lottery last week and you need to know. Come talk to me later. Uh, but but we're, right, we're right in the middle. Uh, and when we're in the middle, we, we tend to, I, I'll, I'll just speak for myself, I tend to neglect uh, taking care of the community around me and belonging to the community around me. It's when my life goes really sideways and something big has happened in my family and I need some help that I wish I had a little bit more community around me. 
One of the opportunities you have at Carpenter's Way is that as we talk about community groups, is that you can, you can hedge your bets, so to speak. You can, you can belong to a community of your choosing. You can grow that community. You can grow inside that community and help that community grow. And, and one of the things that you're doing for you and your family is that you're guaranteeing when life hits hard, they're going to know about it. Because it's easier to know when life hits hard when you're in a group of 12 than it is right now. We have, we have like, I don't know, 100 people in the building right now. So I don't know how many people are in here. Uh, I don't know everything that's going on in your life. But if you belong to a group of 12, you're guaranteeing that someone knows how to help, how to pray for you. And you get to belong to that community. And they're going to help build you up. We'll go uh, through verse uh, 13. Until, it says, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. That's, that's good. We, we want to grow and be more mature in our faith. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There that is. That, that as we grow into maturity, we start to look more and more like Jesus. We can walk with that stature. I always think of like Jesus strutting around. You know, Jesus, he had to have had some confidence about how the world operated, and he could, he could walk with confidence that we can also grow in that. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. Well, what, what's the problem with being children, Paul? Well, he says, children, they're tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into the Christ. There's this warning, he says, that when, when we try to go solo, we're not belonging to a community, we, we end up like children. And we get tossed to and fro by the waves of every human deceit, every human cunningness. I, I see this a lot in our community. I see this a lot where, like, oh, Jesse, did you hear that they're mandating X, Y, and Z? Let's raise a wall around the community and, like, you know, let's, let's siege the... No, like, it, we don't have to be terrified about everything. It's, it's these waves that are going to and fro. But when we're, when we're firm in our foundation of who Christ is and who we belong to and what community we belong to, um, we're not... We're not as easily deceived. We're not as easily tossed around. So disciples, one, they belong to a community. Let's go to the next one. Uh, I'll be in Matthew 28 if you want to turn there. And it's this, is that math, uh, excuse me, disciples uh, go and they make more disciples. That's, that's pretty basic. I think you guys uh, knew that before we started. But disciples go and they make new disciples. Now, I said at the beginning, a disciple is just a student. It's a student who follows the teacher and becomes more and more like the teacher. I've got great news for you. Uh, you don't need to take a class on how to make more disciples. You're awesome at it already. You do, you do great at it. Um, if it, I don't see anybody wearing a sports team right now, but, it, but if you're wearing a sports team, you're a disciple maker. You're trying to get people to cheer for those Patriots. You're trying to get people to cheer for the Cowboys. And, and who knows? We, we're constantly trying to draw people like, did you know how cool? And then you fill in the gap with the thing that you really nerd out on, you really geek out on. Uh, you're watching this great show and you want to tell all of your friends about this great show. You've got to watch the show. You've got to read this book. You have no idea. The plot twist at the end is amazing. Anytime you get excited and you geek out and you're just, you're just overflowing with a thing, you're making a disciple or attempting to until they watch the show and they're like, that's so dumb. And they, they're like, you have terrible taste in, in videos. Uh, go and, and make disciples. You know, as, as we follow a savior who really saves, uh, a Jesus who I believe is really powerful and he's really changing lives. Uh, the more that that is true and evident in me, the more it's going to naturally overflow that I'm, I'm going to go and make some more disciples. You come to me with a problem and I'm going to say something like, yeah, but Jesus is a really good Lord. 
He's really like a trustworthy person to surrender all that to. He, he's not abusive like that relationship you told me about. He, he's, he's kind and he's gentle. He's stern and he challenges me, but he's a good Lord. That's, that's what making a disciple looks like. It's not a formula. It's not a book you need to read. It's just overflowing with the things that you know. Read with this with me. Matthew 28. It's the very end of Matthew. I'll set it up real, real quick. I'm going to run out of time if I slow down too much. But uh, Matthew has, uh, in his narrative, in the gospel, we've had the birth of Jesus, Christmas stories there. We've had the entire ministry of Jesus. We've had the upper room, which we've talked about a few weeks ago. We've had the cross. We've had the death, burial, and resurrection. And now Jesus has risen again. We're at the very end of Matthew. And Jesus is alive again, guys. And his disciples have heard a rumor that he's alive. A few of them have, have, you know, Mary and them have already seen Jesus. And they went and told the other disciples. And now now the, the, the main 11 disciples are in a hurry to go see Jesus face to face for the first time since they saw his funeral. Let's see what happens. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples, anybody just, you know, quick pop quiz since you're in class, uh, why not 12 disciples? There's always 12 disciples. Why only 11? Anybody know? There you go. Yeah, everybody says Judas and just rolls their eyes like Judas. Judas. Yeah, Judas is gone. So now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. So, okay, we have instructions. Jesus directed us to go to this mountain. All the 11, they're sprinting. John's the fastest. Peter, he would be faster, but he's running his mouth the whole time. He's like, I'm better than you. But they're getting there. They're on their way. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. That makes a lot of sense, right? If some guy says, hey, I'm about to die, but I'm going to come back to life in three days, and then they go see him after he comes back to life, you, I'm just telling you, you have permission to worship that person, okay? That's Jesus. They, they saw him, and they worshiped him. But look at this next phrase. They worshiped him, comma, but some doubted. What? Who's doubting? You have 11 guys who was at Jesus' funeral. They all run to see him. They all worship him, and some doubted him. Now, and then Jesus is going to go into this piece that we call the Great Commission. But let me just pause and say something about doubt. A lot of disciples, they get tripped up on doubt. And this may be true of you. I'm a disciple of Jesus, and I'm doing great. But, you know, sometimes I get this lingering doubt. They all worshiped him. Some doubted. The next verse doesn't follow up, and so Jesus punched the doubters in the face. Like, he it, it doesn't get angry. He doesn't correct them. He doesn't, doubt is okay. It's not the best place to be. I mean, you want some certainty, but it's not a disqualification for being a disciple. If you find yourself, if you're in this room, or if you're online, and you're just like, you know what? I have significant doubts. I just, I'm, I'm struggling with, with this, but I still love the Lord. Yeah, Jesus still loves you too. He's not mad at you. It's okay. I mean, we're, we're, we're broken and we're fallible and our cognitive abilities have been cursed by the same sin that cursed our body. That's why we're sick and that's why our brain doesn't think. We don't get math right every time we look at it because we can't think perfectly every time. And it's okay if you go through a season, you just like I have doubts. You have 11 dudes that were, were at Jesus's funeral and they showed up and they saw him face to face and there's still someone doubting. And Jesus is okay. He, he goes and he gives them all a command after this. What's interesting is that if, if you take the inference about being a disciple right now, um, Jesus is inferring that those, those who call themselves disciples, those who are followers of Jesus, even the ones who are carrying some doubt in that process, are still given the invitation to be a disciple and still tasked and, and asked to be a part of the mission. 
Let's keep going. He says in verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I think, yeah. Okay, you came back to life. You said you would. It happened exactly the way you said it. Yes, you have all the authority to say anything you want at this point, Jesus. You, you, are, uh, you get the microphone. Please tell us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. This is why disciples are called to go make more disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Period. Matthew is out. That's the last word in Matthew. We're, we're called to go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and, and what? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. You know, as disciples of Jesus, we're, we're growing in our knowledge. Some, some of you have read through the entire Bible, probably more times than me, and some of you got your Bible. It's fresh. It still has that new car smell, and, and you're still like, you'll turn a page. You're like, what? He did that? He said, he said that? I'm supposed to do that? I, I, he did that to the fig tree? Oh, and like, it's just so exciting when, when like you read the story and you're just like, oh, with brand new fresh eyes. And every time as a disciple, we grow in our knowledge of what Jesus has called us to do. That's, that's what we reflect back to people. That's, he says, go and make disciples, teaching them all that I've commanded you. And so as, as you grow in your knowledge of the Lord, you, you to share that knowledge with other people around you, whether or not they know the Lord. You talk to some jerk at work who's, uh, sorry, that rhymes, uh, but you're, you're just talking to somebody and they're just really mean all the time. And you've been mean back to them because that felt good. It felt right at the moment. And Aunt Sally said you could. Uh, but, then, but then you read Jesus and he says, you know, someone slaps you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek. Uh, and then you go out to work the next day and you're like, you know what, Jesus, I think, I think, I think I should just, you know, not return cursing with cursing. I think I should just treat you with kindness this minute. You would, you, would, you would see smoke come out of their ears. They would just short circuit right now and like a robot fall over. You would mess up their whole day because, because Jesus has taught you a different thing. And now you're reflecting that to others. But we're going to make disciples whether we like it or not. I think Jesus' invitation is that we be on purpose about it. That we make disciples of Jesus, not disciples of what political party we're a part of or what news station we watch or what books we really love. All, you, can, you can celebrate those things all you want, but we should be intentional about making other disciples of Jesus. So disciples go and they make disciples. And the third and final thing for our series is going to be disciples abide and reconcile. Disciples abide and reconcile. I'm actually going to turn to two different passages for this, uh, but I'm going to turn first to John chapter 15, if you want to turn there. John chapter 15. Uh, sequentially, uh, this happens before what we just read, because Matthew 28 was after the resurrection. Uh, this is before the cross. We're at John uh, 15. Uh, and, and Jesus is in the upper room, and he's given his disciples, those who are really nervous about what Jesus is about to do. And he's given them like some, some final hurrah moment. Like a, These are very important things that I need you to know. It's an exclamation point on everything he says. In, uh, in John chapter 15, uh, verse 4, here, here's what Jesus says about abiding. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, says Jesus. Abide in me. Abide in me. Jesus, I, I found this to be true. I didn't know it was true when I was younger, but I found this to be true. There, there are seasons in my life that I didn't know anything of what I was going to do, and I felt wholly ill-equipped for it. 
Uh, and I just, Jesus, I just trust you and please help me. And, and I saw him move and I saw things move forward and, and, and thing, things worked because I was abiding in him. And then there are moments where I stepped up with amazing amounts of arrogance and confidence. I felt really good that day. I had my Wheaties or something. And I didn't, I didn't go to it with prayer. I didn't go to it with abiding. I went to it with Jesse's strength and power and charisma. I can, I can you know, uh, amaze you with my speech as I stutter the one sentence out. That's, that's ironic. Uh, and, uh, and I just go to it with my own power. And it flops. And it drains me. And I wasn't abiding. And what Jesus said in verse four is that the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, Jesse, unless you abide in me. Disciples are called to abide in Jesus because Jesus is the life force. Jesus is, is the nourishment. Jesus is the structure that makes the branch be able to stand at all. I have a tree in my front yard that had some new growth that was like eye level right here. And I took a machete and I chopped it all off. I, it was, it was, I butchered the thing. It was a dull machete. I could have chopped it better with like a butter knife, uh, but I didn't. So I grabbed my dull machete and boom, and just, just destroyed this branch. And it flopped on the ground. And do you know, this is going to blow your mind, it stayed green on the ground for like a day. It looked like it was still alive and it looked like it was okay, but it wasn't. It was slowly withering because it was no longer abiding on the tree. It could no longer stand up because the trunk of the tree is what held this little branch up. It was a little twig, smaller than my pinky. And the trunk of the tree made this branch stand firm and weather the storm. And now it's slowly dying and withering in my yard because it was no longer abiding in the tree by my own force. And Jesus says, you know what? Your life is kind of like that. If you don't abide in me, you, you, you're not going to bear much fruit. Verse five, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Disciples, listen, if, you, if you're wanting to grow uh, as a disciple in the Lord and you're wanting to you know, have a life that actually bears fruit, I think, I think that's true of everybody. Everybody wants a marriage that bears fruit. Everybody wants as parents to bear fruit. Uh, you, you want your life to mean something. Uh, do not neglect abiding in the vine. Draw close to the source of life. You're doing it now. I mean, you, you committed to an hour or so of coming to church and listening to the word. Uh, continue to make those commitments. Uh, continue to, to belong to the group and abide in other people. Trust the Lord. Maybe in moments of prayer, uh, you can join the, the Presleys and their spiritual practices class, uh, community group if, if you want to try some other endeavors. But abiding in the vine uh, is key to bearing fruit. And a lot of us, honestly, a lot of us have walked into this room, maybe even right now, and you're like that branch who was just freshly cut off and you've been doing life apart from the vine for a while, and you feel it. You feel it in your soul, that withering, and nobody else around you sees it. Everybody sees the green branch, still looks alive, doesn't know it's been gnarled up by a dull machete, but it still looks alive. And Jesus says, look, just trust me, abide in me, and I'll give you life. I saw a video of some people splicing branches onto other trees. That's wild. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, it you, should, you should probably Google that when you leave here. Uh, they get a little razor blade, cut a little bark back on both sides. They put it on there, saran wrap the whole thing. And did you know like an oak tree can grow an apple branch? It's wild what they can do with splicing stuff. Um, but there's life in being grafted back in. But I said disciples abide and reconcile. Look, look with me in 2 Corinthians Chapter five. So I want, I want to, what I want to do for this last point is draw a connection between those two points to abide and to reconcile. Second Corinthians chapter five, 
starting in verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Is that anybody in here? Have any Christians? Yes. Yes, Jesus says, Paul says right here that we are a new creation if we are in Christ. He says, the old has passed away. Thank God, because that old guy was a jerk. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Awesome. He says, all this is from God. God accomplished this in Jesse's life, and if you raised your hand or if that's true of you, God accomplished this in your life. All this is from God, who through Christ did what? He reconciled us to himself. That, that, that the ministry of Jesus, he, he calls this idea of reconcile. So I used to do this with students. Uh, the word reconcile is kind of a, it's a 10 cent word. Um, if you can, just, just put your hands apart like this. And then, and then when I yell reconcile, you bring them together. Reconcile, right? Okay, okay, apart. Reconcile. That's good. I like it. So now apart and do like a little southern twang. Reconcile. And you're going to bring it back in. It, it's okay. Like you can, get, you can get funky with it if you need to. You know, the whole world is, is here and God is here. And, and everything about it is designed to keep these two things apart. And, and you remember that. When you were walking in darkness, when I was walking in darkness, I remember that feeling. There's nothing I can do to get close to God. There's absolutely nothing. And the ministry of Jesus was to reconcile you and I, reconcile. Back to God. He draws us close to him and he makes that grafting, that abiding thing possible with God. And he says, he says in verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and he did what? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gives us the task, disciples the task of going out and finding people who are apart from God and saying, hey, come here, let me help you reconcile back to God because this is what Jesus did to me. You know, a fascinating piece of math is uh, if you're a Christian in here, uh, you're a Christian in here because when Jesus spoke those words in Matthew 28, go and make disciples, someone did. One of them was like, yeah, I'll go do that. Why? Because Jesus said to, and all authority in heaven on earth, even though I have my doubts, I'm going to go and make a disciple. So they made a disciple. And that disciple was like, oh, I read Matthew 28. I'm going to go make a disciple. And then on and on. You are here because the generation before you, someone before you said, yes, I will go and I'll be a part of the ministry of reconciliation, and I'll help you find your way back to Jesus. I can't do it. I don't have the power. I, I, can't, I can't fix your relationship with God. That's Jesus, but I can bring you to Jesus. I can get you that far. Because through God, he's drawing us back to him to reconcile us to him, and we get to be a part of it as well. That is verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. He's, he's, not, he's not done not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We've been entrusted, disciples, listen, we've been entrusted with this message. This is a message that, that is precious and valuable. And he says, I, I, I'm gonna trust you with it. We've been entrusted with this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors. Now that's some swagger right there. That's a government title, y'all. We're ambassadors of the king in a kingdom in a land that is full of darkness. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal through us. The person who told you about Jesus for the first time was being used by God to make his appeal through that person so that you can be reconciled. And those of you who have loved ones, those of you who have kids who are just wayward and like the marriage is hard, 
that we're, we're participating in this, and God is, is perhaps making his appeal to them through you and your uh, discipling ability. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We, we traded, disciples, we traded something. We traded the curse of our sin for the reward of Jesus' obedience. We traded the curse of our sin for the righteousness of God, and it was such an unequal transference of gifts. It's like you go into the white elephant party, and there's a $20 limit, and someone like put a Buick in the middle of the thing. It's like, this is not right. There's so much more value in that Buick than there is in this Nerf gun I brought. Uh, but, but we traded with God the curse of our sin for his righteousness. And then he says, I'm entrusting with the message to go out and to reconcile and to be a part of it. There are, there are zero of you in here right now who do not know someone who is not heartbroken by someone who is broken and hurting and is far from God. A hundred percent of you, because you live here on this earth, know what that's like. And we get to participate in the message of reconciliation. Here, here's, here's the fascinating truth. No matter who you're thinking of, whenever I mention that, God is in love with the idea of them coming back to him. God is in love with the idea of that man, that woman, that child, saying, I, I need to find my way back to you. I need to be restored. I feel like that branch and I'm withering away. How do I get back on the trunk, man? Jesus says, disciples, I'm entrusting you with the message. You bring them to Jesus, let Jesus do the rest. And we can do this. We're part of the mission of God reconciling the entire universe back to him. And those 2021 and there are all the baggage that comes along with that. It turns out he's really not done. And I believe, I believe that as, as we kind of double down on this call of being a disciple, on all the all the things that we've covered so far. Um, we're going to see a hurt and lost community right here in Mid-County. We're going to see them just want to come back to the Lord. And if we're not careful, if we're deceived by the childlike, uh, you know, deceptions that we were warned against earlier, then we tell them you can't come back to the Lord because you're not acting right. You can't come back to the Lord because you voted for so-and-so. You can't come back to the Lord because of what? None of that, none of that is, is true. We're called to be reconcilers, first and foremost, to just help people find their way back to God. And, the, and those of us in here who are just like, I, just, I want to be close to God too. I want to abide. I, want, I feel like my vine is, is, I feel like I'm shriveling. Then we draw close to him and we help each other draw close to him because we fight for the community. Uh, in closing, I just want to give us our homework assignment. Uh, if you can put up that, that phrase, Barbara. We, we've done this all, all, all the other times. Here's your homework. I'm a disciple of Jesus, so are you. I'm learning to follow his ways, and so are you. None of us are perfect, but we're trying. We're working at it. He's the teacher. I'm the student. Every day, I will look for opportunities to live and act more like he did, and he taught others to. I, just, I, want, I, want, to, I want to be a hope to people who are hopeless. I want, to, I want to live and act more like Jesus. So this week, you choose your assignment. Uh, this week, I will focus on A, 
belonging to my community of faith. I really want you to highlight, if you do this, I really want you to highlight that verb, not attending, not, not just knowing about, not just being on the, but belonging. What does it mean to belong to a group of people and how can we help you do that? For some of you, that's community groups. For others of you, it doesn't fit. Like your schedule doesn't work or it's just not a good fit. Then, then I would say like to belong to a community of faith that you get two or three other people who aren't related to you and you're just like, hey, can we, can we like help each other? Can we pray for each other? And you form a small community, but you belong to a community of faith. B, this week I'll focus on making another disciple by talking about what Jesus has taught me. Uh, none of us have all the answers and all of us are still learning some things, but there are some things that like, we're really like, I feel like Jesus is calling me to, you fill in the blank, go tell somebody about that. I feel like Jesus is calling me to love people who are not easy to love. I feel like Jesus is calling me to forgive this person who I've been harboring something for a while. Whatever you feel like Jesus is teaching you to do, go tell some folks about it and you will be participating in making a disciple. And C, this week I will focus on staying connected to Jesus and helping others do so as well. You know, as we abide and reconcile, uh, it's, it's going to come at a, uh, a, a nourishing moment. And there's going to be a moment where the, the only way the brother next to you hears hope is we say, you know what? I felt just like that. Let me help you get back the way that I got back. Let me, let me show you your way back to Jesus. But we fight to bring it back. Let me pray for you, and then you will be uh, dismissed. Lord, um, we thank you that we can come to you boldly, as we sang at the beginning. It's, it's your blood that makes all of this possible. Um, Father, we want, to, we want to be close to you, and we want to abide in you. We, we, we don't want to be a fruitless life. Lord, help us to stay close to you, and help us to draw others to be a part of your hope as well. Um, Lord, in, in, in our lives, we know folks who are, who are far. We know folks who are withering. We know folks who are hurting. Lord, help us, help us stay strong and help us, help us go to them and, and be, a, be there. Draw them back to you. Uh, be, be a part of your mission. Uh, help, us, help us to reconcile uh, folks to you. Lord, as, as we leave and as we practice being a disciple, may we look more like Jesus and may the, the community be drawn to Jesus as a result of it. Lord, we love you, and we pray these in Jesus' name. Amen.